Time for our chat this morning with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Oh, I'm excellent. Good. Exciting to see a, a story that just cropped up this week. Actually, it looks like it's going to produce some action, this uh, outrage yes. over the child care center that got turned down or the expansion of a child care center. Eight children threatening the character of a neighborhood. <laughs> but the, the reaction, I mean, the news coverage is great. Uh, my colleague, Dan Fumano, credit to him for breaking the story. But the other thing is I'm fascinated at the way the city government and the provincial government have both intervened on this to say this has got to stop. Absolutely. I, I was also really interested to talk to people about this yesterday and get the response because I think it ran about 80% of people saying this is ridiculous. 20% of people who said, no, 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 they, the, the neighbors have a point. But it was overwhelmingly in favor of let this child care center open. Yeah, I mean, I think the two things that came out, the first is, as you say, is just outrage over this and this has got to stop. There were some constructive suggestions at how laws and approval procedures could be changed to make sure it doesn't happen again. I think even some of the people, and particularly you had one guest on who opposed the project, who said, well, if you do want this sort of thing to happen, you really should change the zoning for single family residents, neighborhoods, to say that you can have a full-blown child care center uh, one per block, if necessary, within those neighborhoods. And actually, I think in the long run, that may be where we're headed provincially and federally. I was, uh, sorry, provincially and civically. I was struck by something Mike Klassen, the counselor, said. He referred to neighborhoods in Vancouver being child care deserts. There's nothing Very true. there. Yeah. And Ravi Kalan, the housing minister who said, you don't have healthy, vibrant communities without children. Well, I think they're both right, but their governments, the city government in the case of councillor, the provincial government in the case of the housing minister may have to change the way we approve childcare projects in BC if we're actually going to start hitting these ambitious targets to deal with the huge backlog of available spaces. And what, night? 15,000 shortage of spaces in Vancouver. The city government has said 5,000 units it wants to approve, 5,000 spaces. You're not going to get anything approved unless you change the way these projects are approved. It also shows us, I guess, these these little bylaws that we don't think maybe a lot about, but what a huge outsized impact they've been having. You know, I think that's one of the things that's emerging. Premier David Eby laid out a very ambitious plan. He promised progress, actual results. So you run down the list from public safety, affordable housing, child care. You know, governments are very good at calling press conferences and announcing targets. They're not nearly as good as changing the rules and approval processes to make sure the targets are met. And we've seen it here with childcare. We've seen it provincially with the difficulty of getting this new missing middle housing approved. City of Victoria has a missing middle program policy. It attached so many strings to it, Simi, that nothing, nothing is being done. Uh, another good example is we're going to do something about the shortage of family doctors. Well, 
You're not going to be able to address that in the short run unless the federal and provincial governments make it an awful lot easier for doctors trained elsewhere to come to BC and practice medicine. And I think if we go down the premier's entire shopping list, we see again and again, it's not the news conference that does it. It's changing the laws and rules to make sure it happens. Which also goes to show you how much things have changed in recent yeah. years, right? Like these are laws that have been around for a very long time, but boy, yeah. things have changed. Yeah. yeah, I know. Again, another one global headed on the news last night. And I keep saying, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised by things. And yet again and again, I am surprised. So you had this guy who did this racist attack, a repeat offender, and... Uh, he goes through the system and he ends up with what? Uh, one day in the clink and probation for a repeat offender who launched what was clearly a racially motivated attack. And again, I just go like, unless you can persuade Ottawa to change the bail laws, you can grumble about this all you want and have press conferences about it all you want. But unless you can get Ottawa to change the law, it's not going to make any difference. Right. So this is just a long line that shows you how busy, though, the government has to be. And, and nimble. Any government has to be nimble these days, Vaughn, yeah. to be able to respond to this kind of stuff. I agree. And I will give the premier credit for laying out the issues on which he wants to be judged with genuine progress. He said results before the election in October 2024. So give him credit for saying, judge me by whether or not I get results. But I have to say we're seeing a growing number of examples at the obstacles still in the way of those well-intentioned results. Vaughn, I feel like we are making it worse by calling it a curse, but there certainly seems to be some issues with crossing by water around here. Yeah, you know, Simi, I thought actually we, we talked about a good day for the Hello Passenger Ferry out of Nanaimo on Wednesday. Well, it turns out I see in the Victoria paper this morning, Times Colonist, new story. Actually, they didn't have a good day on Wednesday. They had to cancel two sailings because of undisclosed mechanical problems. So uh, the curse lives. Uh, And then, of course, we go to BC Ferries. Now, again, you know, we tried to give ferries credit. We gave ferries credit for having had a good, long weekend. They went all in on the BC day long weekend and pretty much everything went well. Are we jinxing it by saying that? I think we are. I think we are. <laughs> maybe yes. right. This may be a job for an exorcist, as Rob Shaw said. Um, and then we get yesterday's news, and this is really serious. This is one of the biggest problems they've had all summer. So the coastal renaissance, which is on the mainland to island run, has had to be taken out of service for weeks, we're told. Weeks. It's not a simple problem. Uh, It needs major mechanical fix, and it is going to be laid up for a number of weeks. They had a stopgap solution yesterday, but they also said, Simi, that we're going to get a more detailed plan because... Ferries doesn't really have any surplus vessels at this time of year. And that ship carries 1,600 people and 310 vehicles per sailing. And it makes, when it's working, 
eight sailings a day. So the fairies are back in the glue. Uh, I was struck by, uh, they are getting better at telling people what to expect. That's true. I don't know if you noticed yesterday afternoon, yesterday afternoon, the traffic at Horseshoe Bay was backed up so far out of the terminal and up the hill onto the upper levels highway, which as you know, they moved up the hill. So it's a big deal if the traffic is going that high. And they're telling people coming to Horseshoe Bay, if you don't have a reservation, don't even bother to come because all you're doing is adding to the congestion. So, I mean, this is a serious, serious problem with ferries. And this time it's very hard to say they're going to be able to turn it around in a few days. Yeah, it sounds like they're not going to be able to. And, and, and also now, so another thing, just foot passengers for the next little while on that route. Yes, foot passengers. Uh, the We've talked about the mechanical issue. I see as well, there's a suggestion that this is the continued staffing problem. And the staffing problem is relevant because Ferries is talking to its union about trying to get uh, a wage increase. They, they went back to the table 10 months earlier. Let's see if we can, by offering better wages to work on the ferries, if we can keep stop losing people to elsewhere, if we can recruit. So that was the idea. But again, we're hearing those talks are not going all that well. And the union is not all that happy. And the union is warning that ferries may continue to lose to other services. Although, you know, uh, the whole transportation sector is having trouble attracting qualified workers. So that it, we don't know how that's going to play out. Okay. And so obviously in this next little while too, there's a lot of emergency management going on in the provincial government with all the, this wildfire situation in Kelowna, which came up so suddenly. Yeah. You know, it, uh, I mean, I think we now go, this is just routine uh, for summertime in British Columbia. We've had most years, uh, actually, uh, Democrats point this out since they came into office. Most years they've had this kind of a summer, uh, regular briefings, uh, desperate pleas from other jurisdictions like the Northwest Territories for us to help, uh, explaining that we've had to borrow firefighting crews from elsewhere so we can't spare any. I was struck by one thing yesterday, which was when they gave us the list, Sammy, for the wildfire press conference, Adrian Dix is going to be on it now. You know, he knows everything and he is the health minister. What's he doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're taking patients. Like something we can do is we can take patients. So I think we're taking about, what, five or six dozen patients from the Northwest Territories, bringing them to BC hospitals. It's not like our hospitals are undercrowded, but bringing them here, I assume it means an airlift. Um, and again, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can, but you're right. The sense you have out there is we're kind of clinging to the edge by our fingernails in a healthcare system and a whole emergency managing system for lack of resources, staffing, and just on the verge of being overwhelmed by what I, it, it's already, in terms of destruction, the worst wildfire season in BC history. And as uh, you can tell from your own news, Simi, it ain't over yet. No, it is not. Now, listen, you're off for a couple of weeks, right? I am off for a few weeks. I'm going, uh, you're going to the Southwest as well, as I recall. I so am. Road, road we're both going trip. on road trips. Not together, yes, but we're yes, both going I'm, on road trips. I'm trying uh, for the listener who may be worried that I'm going to be suffering heat stroke in the Southwest. I'm trying <laughs> to stay to the higher elevations. So I, every place I'm going to, I check the elevation and a lot of them are... Uh, more than a mile high. So I'm, I'm 
hoping that that means the temperature will be down. I'm not going to Phoenix, uh, where if you happen to trip and land on the sidewalk, you get third degree burns. (laughs) Well, listen, good luck, drive safely, and we'll talk to you in September. You too, Cindy. All right. Thanks, that Vaughn. That's Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Now, he is going to be away for a few weeks, but Rob Shaw is going to be filling in, so we'll still be getting our daily political fix. I'm going to be away for a few weeks, a couple of weeks, two weeks after today. But don't worry, Jill Bennett's going to be filling in. So everybody's going to be in good hands.